Welcome back to When Bad Things Happen to Good People, a podcast about censorship in the arts. My name is Todd Sullivan. Uh, with me is Oren Barter. And today we have a special guest, Mr. Dave Colmine. We'll be talking about the Japanese film from the year 2000, Battle Royale. So normally, uh, when we start this podcast, one of the first things I do is I ask Oren how he's doing, how things are going for him uh, in his life. But I'm not going to do that. Uh, Nobody gives a fuck anyway. We don't care what's going on with you this week, Oren. Um, because we have a guest, and as a good host, I'm going to direct that question to our guest. Dave, how are you doing? Oh, really? I'm going to redirect that to the group and, and just say, group, what are we drinking today? Because that's one of the exciting things. I'm a longtime listener of this podcast, and I like hearing about what you guys are drinking. So I'm going to throw it right back at, uh, well, okay, first, all right. I'll throw in what I'm drinking. I'm drinking the Okanagan Springs Winterland Orange Cranberry Ale. And Holy cow, that sounds that's good. That's a lot of shit packed into one beer. <laughs> that's a lot. They, they're they like, we can't just have orange, not just cran. We got to double up. It's what the kids like. Uh, it's 4.8%. And it's, I opened it and got very Canadian for a second. was like, hey, that's pretty fucking good, eh? Or something like that. So that was, you know. I, I, uh, that does sound pretty tasty. Yeah. I had some sort of broken English, very Canadian phrase that spewed out of my mouth after I sipped it. So it's it's decent. I'm digging it. Uh, for me, uh, I'm I'm clinging to my uh, sour beers as long as I can. I know they're more of a summer thing, but they're still available, so I'm clinging to them. And I I got the uh, the Dead Frog. They've got a sample pack of uh, four different sours that I quite like, and so I'm drinking one of those right now. It's the Strawberry Mint Sour. That sounds yummy. Mm. It's pretty good. It's not my favorite of the lot, but um, it's the first one that came out. So. But yeah, man, rage against the dying of the light. Like we don't have to say it's fall. Let's just keep drinking our summer. <laughs> no, <beers>. no, exactly. <laughs> it's been I warm. Mean, we barely go outside anymore. Anyway, it can be whatever season you want it to be. <laughs> what about you, Warren? Do you have any drinks tonight? Yeah, I got uh, I got my classic O'Doul's. Um, but nice. I, I'm also chugging the tail end of an El Himidor silver what tequila. Ooh. Oh, tequila. Okay. Yeah. So I thought I wet my whistle here for this one. A little bit. Gotcha. Noish. You're doing shots. Actually, there, you know what? I'm gonna do. Yeah. I'm gonna do a shot right now. I'm gonna cheers you right now. Cheers, y'all. Okay. Cheers. Let's do it. Cheers. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yep. That's the good thing you weren't. Um, you weren't doing shots every time someone died in the movie. <laughs> I think I'd have alcohol poisoning. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that would have been. I think I wrote it down. Maybe I didn't. 42 shots in two yeah, hours. 42. Yeah, 42. 42. Well, I guess, because I guess, no, not to give it away, but not all 42 died. Oh, truth. So, truth. Yeah. Let's not say how many shots that would be then, because that would <laughs> give away the ending. Well, are we going to maybe about talk it. about that? Like, hey, there's going to be some spoilers, aren't there? Like, <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I just don't want to, I don't want to talk about the ending at the beginning of the podcast necessarily. Oh, okay. It's all right. about chronology. Yeah. Total spoilers. We're going to, we're going to spoil everything. Well, right I appreciate your professional approach to this. A <laughs> couple of things to talk about. The first thing is I wanted to sort of mention why. Uh, why Dave is is on the the podcast? Um, it's partly because uh, I've recently uh, been working with him on a new podcast, 
Uh, do you want to maybe talk about it for a little bit there, Dave, and, and fill us in on, on what it's all about? Well, thank you. Yeah, Todd and I have been running a podcast called Mysteries and Madness. It's hard to explain, kind of. I'm not entirely certain yet what the pitch should be, but it's a 1940s detective whodunit that's based around a role-playing system called Cthulhu Confidential. So Todd is the protagonist. He's the detective trying to solve uh, supernatural mysteries. And then Mm -hmm. I'm the game master and run him through these scenarios and describe them and um, portray all of the characters that he runs into. Uh, And then I'm on the back end of it, on the production side, putting the kind of time you'd put into it to create a, like a, an old fashioned radio drama. So lots of sound effects, a lot of soundtrack and Foley to try to really immerse the listener in these places as we sort of improv our way through mystery cases. Yeah. So it very much, the experience of listening to it is a lot like listening to like an old radio drama, but it's not, it's not scripted. The story is essentially created live as we, play through the game, play through the role-playing aspect of the game. Yeah. Have you guys released any episodes yet? There's two out, I think. Oh, two is there out. shit? I'm going to have fin- to listen to that. Yeah, finale's recorded, and I'm uh, 15 hours into editing at about 30 minutes of the podcast done, and it's about a 60-minute episode. So it's going to be about 30 hours of editing to get this one-hour episode done, which speaks to the volume of... Um, sound engineering that I'm doing and I really love it. Like I'm passionate for it and I want to create something that I can't find in other podcasts. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, and it does. It sounds fantastic. The, uh, and the, and the, you can, you can hear the amount of work and the amount of passion that goes into it. I think. Well, thank you. Um, I'm grateful that all I have to do is show up and say words. <laughs> and I'm done pretty much. Dude, that's how I feel right now. This is great, guys. Someone else is editing this. I just get to right, drink exactly. beer and talk about uh, video games and movies. This is amazing. Exactly. I'm stoked. And uh, the reason that we decided to talk about this movie is that um, when Dave and I are hanging out and not recording a podcast, we hang out and play a bunch of Fortnite. A fair jag, yeah. Um, one of the, if not the biggest game in the world right now, uh, and it is it is of the battle royale genre, uh, and the name from for that genre has come from. I mean, the movie was based on a book, but I think it's the movie that's the better known. The movie is what is sort of spread around the world and and uh, made that name and concept catch on. Um. And then the other thing I wanted to mention uh, before we got into talking about the movie is the fact that I think, if my math is correct, this is our 10th episode. So this is technically our big 10-episode anniversary. Wow. So Does that require math? Like, don't you just add? Well, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's because <laughs> at this point, there's only eight episodes out. Oh, by the right, time, right. By the time this one goes out, we will have done our live episode wrap-up Oh, that's right. Malcolm X. Okay. So that'll be the ninth one, and then this one will be the tenth. But so we're in kind of a weird time travel situation where we're we're um, we're temporally in two different times at once. Like we're in the right now when we're recording it, but then we also have to put ourselves in the position of where we'll be when it's released, which is October thirty first. Which is worth mentioning too that we're releasing this one on a Saturday instead of a Sunday, because, you know, this is a kind of a gory 
horror-y movie. Uh, so we thought we'd release it on Halloween rather than the Sunday. So, um, so yeah, that'll be a Halloween surprise. Everyone gets the podcast one day early. Very cool. Yay! Speaking speaking of gory, uh, it wasn't that gory. I, I was expecting a lot more violent gore for a film that is banned. I guess that's fair. You're right. Like it's 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 very like there's a lot of violence, but you don't. It's not as gory as I would have as I feel like it felt. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's very dark, though. But it's also okay. I guess we're we're officially talking about the movie now. So, um, just to give it some context, Battle Royale was released in 2000. It's adapted from a, a novel that was released in 1999. I've got the names of the director and the guy who wrote the novel that I'll try to pronounce, but um, I'm probably going to massacre them. It was directed by Kinji Fukasaku, and uh, the novel was written by Kushin Takami. It has been banned in several countries, and from my research, it appears to still currently be banned in South Korea. It was never banned in the United States, although it was long sort of rumored to be banned. It's just that the director never um, never tried to distribute it there because he thought that it would generate controversy and probably you know get banned and get censored and get chopped up. So he just didn't even bother trying to release it there. And it wasn't really until Quentin Tarantino named it one of his favorite films of all time that um, people started getting interested in seeing it in North America. And uh, in 2010, Anchor Bay Entertainment brought it to release uh, in uh, the U.S. and Canada. And so that's sort of the backstory of, you know, how it came out, how it came to be and where and when and how it was banned but you're right, Dave, for a, a film that has been banned in, in certain countries, it's not, it's violent, but it's not particularly gory. Yeah, I, I found, especially like bullet holes never appeared in people's clothing. <laughs> it was just paint on clothing. Uh, but aside from that, because I do I do like your approach here, um, it's called Battle Royale, and, and uh, I'd, I'd love to hear a little more about what that means like because it's both the name of the film the the plot of the film and an entire genre of video games that i play on mm-hmm. daily. see you know like I, when you guys said we were going to do this movie i didn't know that it came before the whole battle royale craze so i kind of expected maybe a video game based movie i was totally oh I see. yeah i was floored by the, the hunger game ish of it you know that's a great comparison the hunger games um the first Hunger Games book came out in 2008, and there's as great a parallel between the Hunger Games and this film as there is uh, Fortnite and this film, for sure, if not more so. Um, like, for instance, the announcing of the people yeah. as they die. So, like, we should maybe discuss. Like, it's basically like the like the Hunger Games, Suzanne Collins, like, she had to have <laughs> yeah. read this. Like, it's, it's, you know, I'm not, not going to make any accusations <laughs> that, you know, as far as that goes. It seems like there's, <laughs> really? well, I, who knows, who knows, right? Like two different guys invented the telephone at pretty much the same time, accidentally. Um, I don't think either of them were accidents. <laughs> well, no, that, they, they didn't they accidentally both. invent the, whoa, Ellie, yeah, this telephone happened. But you know what I mean. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not going to position myself as, as blatantly accusing her, but I will certainly note that there are a lot of similarities that seem 
you know, like they shouldn't be there. But okay. I will. Shots fired from Dave. <laughs> That's and the the only reason that I say that is because I think I mean it, well it's not impossible that she might have seen it in 2008 or prior to 2008. It wasn't officially released in the U.S. until 2010, so it it would have been trickier for her to have seen it. Doesn't mean it's impossible. Just means that hmm. you know maybe uh, maybe part of it was that she heard the story and assuming that it would never release in the U.S. decided to you know do an adaptation of it through her own lens or you know who knows I don't know so. In the Battle Royale movie that we're discussing here, uh, in their Dysentopian kind of reality, uh, a classroom is nominated and chosen. Yeah. A classroom of students. Yeah. Ninth grade, too. That's That struck me as interesting. This, Yeah, this was a ninth grade class. I think it's always, is it always I got that grade? sense. No. Um, but it's also. No, because Kawada uh, did it in the seventh grade. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought. Yeah. And then he was in ninth grade, grade when yeah. he did it the second time. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. But the whole premise was just like punk teenagers don't respect <laughs> their parents. Yeah, pretty much. So that was I I had the the quote from the beginning of the movie. Uh and and there's as the movie begins uh and the the titles are showing up there's these little um this text that shows up that says at the dawn of the millennium the nation collapsed at 15% unemployment 10 million were out of work. 800,000 students boycotted the schools. The adults lost confidence and fearing the youth eventually passed the Millennium Educational Reform Act, a.k.a. the BR Act, BR being Battle Royale. And I I don't know, I couldn't wrap my head around, like, how does sending one classroom of students to an island to kill each other until there's one left, how does that help with any of these dystopian problems? Has that, you know, I mean, it's going to, I guess, slightly improve unemployment because there are fewer people looking for jobs now, but it's not going to help. I mean, 800,000 students aren't going to school. Those are the smart ones because they can't get picked up and sent to murder each other. Yeah, that. So what's interesting is there's this character who is an ex-teacher who is stabbed as a teacher who seems to kind of run these Mm -hmm. uh, battle royale. And I just, I'm watching this film going, okay, so like, uh, whoever wrote this was a teacher. <laughs> really? Like, he's like, oh, he goes home at night, just like, oh, those kids, man, I'll, I'll write a story about these kids. That's, that seems like a very real possibility. Uh, maybe he I even, mentioned that. Um, sorry, go ahead. The butt stabbing was uh, maybe something that actually happened, and that's what inspired that scene. And then his also his great rage towards right? ninth grade students. <laughs> I'm wondering if he even petitioned the government for like the BR act. He's like, Hey, you know what? Right. Some, some of these, some of these assholes just need to go kill each other. Let's, let's, let's make this, let's make this law. Yeah. And that speaking That's of funny. that butt stabbing scene, that is simultaneously <laughs> one of my favorite scenes in the movie. And also like a scene that I think has no purpose in the movie. It doesn't, well, it uh, it does though, it does. Uh, does it though? It does, and I'm gonna jump way ahead and do a spoiler. But You're talking about the like, end? Well, near the end, he he chose the class. Did he? Is that confirmed? I don't remember that. It's not confirmed, but he had a painting of all the all the members of that class, all with their heads cut off, except for the one girl that he liked. Like this guy right. hated that class, and he said that it was a random choice but i mean come on it but it took two years i think between 
that opening scene with the the butt stabbing and when the class was chosen. Hey so man, like, this kind of shit takes time to plan. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's possible, but that was my that was that I actually wrote that down. I, I'm pretty sure he chose the class. Okay, mm-hmm. interesting. Anyway, maybe I'm wrong. All because of the butt stab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, well, so. He- so this is so this brings up something interesting that I thought was um, a poor translation into the subtitles, but maybe he was being very literal. But at one point he says to somebody, he goes, "You really hurt my ass," and I was thinking like, I was thinking like you're a pain in the ass, and it's just poor translation. But maybe like no, he was literally we were paying buttock, closer attention. He's like, are, "Are you are you the butt stabber?" Well, he kill he kills the butt stabber kid. Remember, he right at the beginning. Yeah, right, right at the beginning. Yeah. Oh, and I had a note about him when he threw that knife at the at the girl, stabbed yeah. her right, right between the eyes. Mm. I was like, uh, teacher kills female students or student for whispering. That's the kind of teacher the Trump administration wants in classrooms. Jeez. <laughs> 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 but I did like the uh, the big bold red battle royale uh, logo at the beginning yeah. of the film. It was very Tarantino, or probably more Tarantino style. <laughs> That's where he gets Yeah, and there's definitely, from, like, you know, I think I, I felt like there were certain certain film techniques and certain camera movements that reminded me of, of stuff that I had seen at least in Kill Bill. Um, and yeah. I don't know, you know, knowing, of course, that Tarantino um, homages slash steals from everything, uh, knowing that this is one of, if not his, his favorite film, um, I imagine that some of it came from that film and informed his um, his filmmaking techniques. Speaking of video, at the beginning, they're all kind of, they're gassed on yeah. a bus, right? And then they wake up and that's it. They've all got Fitbits. <laughs> right. Explosive and, uh, Fitbits. I'm pretty sure Fitbits stole that, that design. They have. <laughs> right? They had. I'm to pretty make. sure. Uh, you actually, it would almost predate. Oh, it certainly Fitbit, would. Yeah. Wouldn't it in 2000? Holy mackerel! I never thought of that. Fitbit stole at this film. It's a very <laughs> inspirational. Yeah. Film. But as they arrive in like a classroom and they're given an orientation video explaining that they're part of the battle Royale and what's about to happen. I love that video so the much. Video is very custom. It talks about each of them individually. I'm like, man, they record a new video for each class. Well, I mean, battle the battle Royale itself takes place over the course of three days. That means they have 362 other days of a year to build and record videos for the next one. Right? Oh yeah, but he he can't pick a class. Oh. Come on, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> but the the style of that video was so wild. Like, I was so this, happy. This, it was like, oh, you guys are gonna kill yeah. each other. Yee-hee. Wee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was one of the more fucked up parts of the movie. I thought was just the nonchalantness about the whole thing. Right. At least mm-hmm. at least in the Hunger Games, like it's a serious thing, right? Well, I guess that's not true. I guess they kind of I don't know. Some of those hairstyles it. and beard styles in the Hunger Games are yeah, pretty hilarious. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But yeah, the style of the video was very, um, very over the top. Very like, you know, it's this little Japanese girl explaining the rules and bouncing around and being incredibly excited and happy about everything. And again, that was probably one of my favorite bits of the film because it's <laughs> so, it seems so tonally out of place from everything else. And uh, I think... The idea of trying to to sell this idea of you guys have to go and kill each other over the next three days in such a bright and happy way is kind of like that's how you'd probably want to do it. 
I thought of it more as still as this like frustrated teacher writing the script. And so like what is what is he what's the first thing he does to the class? He puts on a video. Right? He's like fuck these fucking kids. I'll throw on a video. And then the guy writing it's like and these stupid kids they don't pay attention to what anyone says. They're all about these tee Japanese icons and stupid crap. I'll make the video like that, you know? It was like got to hold their attention. Yeah. And so there were what two or three kids that were killed right there during the orientation. There was the one who got the knife in the head. Right. There was the one who got his throat blasted out, who I think was the knife stabber. He was the knife stabber kid. Yeah. Yeah. And then everybody else, they basically get, they get to take their bag that they had because they were all boarding a bus with the intention that they were going on like a final school trip. Okay. Now one of the premises of this show was that they had no idea this was something that happened, but right at the beginning, there was this big, like, <clears throat> it showed the victor of some other year, I guess, and she was, like, yeah, smiling yeah, yeah. and all that. And it was, like, somebody was there with a the microphone. I imagine there was cameras. Yeah, the, the media, media was covering, covering this. How do these kids not know that that's a thing? I never... I just wanted to interject with that because that was a, a plot gap that that's a good question. never so, left my head. Yeah. If I had to guess, I would say it's maybe the sort of thing that like the the adults are aware of and the adults follow it on TV but um it's kept out of um like the kids don't know about it you don't tell the kids you don't let them watch the shows maybe that's my only kind of guess to how to explain that away daddy what's a battle royale you'll know when you're older <laughs> exactly well my thought was if parents knew there's no way parents would allow their children to be a part of this. So there's something else going on, like a greater, or maybe you just have to suspend some disbelief yeah. just to kind of like <laughs> for the concept, you know, I started reading, um, the manga after I watched the film. Um, and cool. so there's, there's already sort of substantial differences between the film and that, like there's, it, there's more world building. It definitely got the sense that, um, at least in the manga, the kids knew about what it was because when they showed up at the, um, you know, after they were knocked out and kidnapped, there's one kid who's freaking out because his dad is, you know, a major player in um, the major political party. And he's like, well, there's no way that my dad would have let this happen to me. It wouldn't have happened to my classroom. And the mm. the, the head guy at, at the Battle Royale is saying like, well, we're trying something different now. We're trying true equality. So everyone, regardless of who your dad is, has a chance of being in this. Um, so that is that is something that's different in the the film, that it does seem like the kids don't really know what's going on and aren't aware of it. And, but at the same time, as you said, there's clearly a bunch of media attention around it too. Um, it gives it the impression that it's being broadcast for people to watch. So there's, there's a disconnect there that I'm not sure about. See, now, I found the fact that they didn't know made it a little more terrifying for me, right? Like, these kids just wake up, and then they're being told that they're going to kill each other, and they're being killed by their old grade 7 teacher. Yeah. I I felt that that built quite a bit of suspense, actually. I I did enjoy that aspect of it in the movie, even though it did fuck with me plot-wise. Yeah. So yeah, they uh, after after the orientation <laughs> video, everyone nice has the opportunity. Boy. Was that we have a, a beer opening? Mm. I was slurping. Sorry, slurping hard. 
I think that's probably um, part of your podcast pedigree. It's like a little bit of Oren slurping in every recording. A little bit, a little bit. It's, always it's in my contract. In it's in my contract. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's all because I decided to like <laughs> open that episode zero with him taking a loud, loud slurp. <laughs> totally. You, you said it, man. You, you set your intention to the universe and it provides, you know? Oh. Exactly. Um, so after the orientation video, they're, they're given the opportunity. They have their pack, their bag that, that they pack for their, their trip, whatever's in there. And then they're given a bag of like food, water, and some kind of weapon. Um, the weapon is randomized. The weapon is the randomized, and it could be anything from a gun to uh, what was uh, somebody had a fan, I think, as a weapon. So would you would you like the list, the litany list? I wrote it down as I watched. Oh shit! Okay. Of like so, every weapon you saw, or yeah, every weapon seen by a person in this movie. So you you had a green army duffel bag on a cart, and you grab it and run out of the room, and immediately the moment you're outside this facility, like just out the main doors, you're fair game to be shot. Yeah. Um. And and mentioning that, the first kid out is also the first one, like nailing people right away because he yeah, had a crossbow. He rolls out with a crossbow and starts hitting kids. So the, I mean, he doesn't last very long. <laughs> no. <laughs> So the it items lasted longer than the found. kids he killed. Well, Truth. that's true. That's were there any though? Yeah, yeah. he shot. S- he shot the one he girl, shot- I think, through the neck. Oh, and then the the guy that found the girl killed him, Truth. right? Yeah, yeah he rolled down right. the hill and dropped his thing, and then the the guy picked it up and killed him. Well, he freaked out because then... he couldn't believe that he killed somebody, right? Well, yeah, but then yeah. there was also rolling down the hill, yeah. right? Yeah, there was a lot of rolling in this movie. There was a lot. of rolling in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> there Tumbling. was also a lot of talk about like who had a crush on who and yeah um but that's something we'll get into later right? okay. i, have a lot I liked that. that those are the aspects i liked but anyway so as far as um weapons available to be found the gamut of things were a pot lid a large lid to a pot right binoculars <laughs> a crossbow a paper fan mm-hmm. uh, a submachine gun a handgun a grenade nunchucks a taser a hatchet, a combat shotgun, a bullhorn, a sickle, a GPS tracker, knowing everyone's location, a mm-hmm. bulletproof vest, a katana sword, and a bottle of poison. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Okay. I I have always wondered where that bottle of poison came from, but it makes sense that that's the weapon. Yeah. That Thank was you. her weapon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So weird because it's actually said poison in English too. Um, <laughs> speaking of which, um, there are, there are two English phrases in this Japanese film that are, that are like actually spoken in English in the film. Battle Royale is one. Yeah. So there's, there's no Japanese version of Battle Royale. And then the other is game over. Game over. That's what yeah. it was. Yeah. Right. And it made me wonder, like, because, especially because this film kind of popularized the term battle royale where did it come from historically that the japanese were aware of it when making this book in this film that it needed to be said in english rather yeah. than whatever the japanese words for battle and royale are right like T- tell me you figured that out i didn't i mean okay i'll tell you i figured it out yes i figured it out but i'm not going to share it what <laughs> Well, I didn't actually figure it out, but Dave really wanted me to tell him. (laughs) The first use of the term in recorded print is from a comic play called All Mistaken or The Mad Couple from 1672. And the 
Battle Royale may refer to a conflict in which many are involved or be simply a general reference to an intense conflict. In the latter case, Royal is merely added as an intensifier. Particularly to refer to cockfighting, where large numbers (laughs) of birds were sometimes engaged in Battle Royale fights to the death. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful stuff. Um, The first use of it, though, does not relate to cockfighting explicitly, so whether the expression originated from that or became a more general term for raucous fights isn't clear, but it shows up in this play as, Hist! Now for a Battle Royale! Um... The first citation that refers directly to cockfighting. Oh, we don't need to know any more of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, though, now I want to see a Battle Royale-style game that, that features just <laughs> chickens fighting against chickens. Dude, right? It's like yeah. Goat Simulator, but it's chickens. But it's chickens and it's 100 Royale. chickens at once. Yeah. Yep, yeah, I'm in for that. Limited flight, double jump. I can see it now. <laughs> <laughs> um... Where were we? We're talking about the weapon. Well, so that's um, why I'm a part of this discussion is because I play battle royale games. So that yeah. was one of the ways that it deviates or battle royale games deviate from this is that you are all sent out into the jungle with nothing and then find your items out into the world somewhere mm-hmm. in a battle mm-hmm. royale video game. Whereas in this, you're given your items at the outset, which is a little closer to the Hunger Games because in the Hunger Games, they were given... I think the Hunger... S- I think the Hunger Games, when you start, there's weapons like at that one central location. Yeah. And everyone runs for it and sort of like a first come, first grab kind of a situation. Yeah, so that's there. But there's more of a similarity there to Hunger Games than there is to the Battle Royale video game genre. And that there is this like initial quick loot drop that everyone has access to. Yeah. But I mean, like how many people would complain in a video game if some people started with a submachine gun? And some people started with a pot lid, you know, <laughs> dude, right. That's, that's not going to go over well with players. That best be adamantium pot lid and I can throw right? it. Yeah. Is there a pot lid available in Fortnite? Is that a thing? No, ah. but you can, uh, there is a frying pan that you can get in PUBG. Okay. As a melee weapon? <laughs> As a melee weapon. And in fact, if you have the, uh, I remember um, when you, if you had the, the, the frying pan as a melee weapon, when you put it away, it's like attached to your belt. On, on your backside, and it will actually deflect bullets if you get shot on the frying pan. <laughs> nice! Oh, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. So there was... Um, people die pretty quickly, I think, in the initial part of this movie. You have... Um, you know, there's a couple that jumps off a, a cliff because they can't bring themselves to fight. Um, it's a lot of sort of clearing out kids pretty quickly and, and zeroing in on the dozen or so ish who are the the most main characters there are two uh what do they call them transfer students or something yeah that aren't officially from the class um one is sort of this dark gothy murderer type and another one is someone who had apparently survived a previous battle royale um and then there's the the main character who sort of hooks up with a girl and they're keeping each other safe. And then they meet up with um, the guy who survived the previous battle Royale. And they're sort of like a team for a while. And then there's another team of three um, kind of nerds, I guess they're the sciencey nerds. And they end up trying to like rig up some explosives to take out the, the battle Royale masters. Now I thought for sure they um, were going to do it. I was like, okay, that's how this movie ends. They, they blow those bastards up. They get the fuck off. Right. The like that, but then, but then, but then, <laughs> evil great. goth kid 
has to fucking kill yeah. him. I actually wrote down, and uh, I'm really proud of this, uh, the, the way I described him. Bro in the suit be evil as fuck. Yeah, <laughs> he was. <laughs> he was so evil. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like, they gave him so many bullets in his bag. Like, he oh, was yeah. spraying his little gun everywhere and, like, hitting nobody. And so, like, when I saw some of the kids with guns, I thought, you know what would have been really cool is, like, give them, like, one or two bullets. So they think, oh, wow, I got a gun. I can, like, just own this thing. And then they fire once and they're done. No, no, <laughs> they were all like... shitty shots anyway. It doesn't matter. Well, that's true. <laughs> but, like... For instance, this goth kid who, like, is a prey-and-spray-bullet-like hound, they mm. literally blind him at one point just so he can really just fire <laughs> aimlessly. Like, they're like, this character, that's his role. And so we'll even yeah. blind him at one point to really push that home that he just sprays bullets in all directions. And it's like, why did Kawada have to cock his gun? I guess he didn't know he was blind. Oh, man, he did that so many times throughout the movie. Yeah, it's like, oh, right, it's cocked, shotgun, it's cocked, like, I'm pretty sure it's loaded. Six times. It's fucking ready. He did it three times during one conversation. <laughs> like, I gotta go, chick, chick. They're like, but wait, what about, oh, but I'm leaving now, and chick, chick, like, constantly. <laughs> and, like, every time he, like, I don't know a lot about guns, but I'm pretty sure every time he does that, he's firing uh, a shotgun shell out that he hasn't fired yet. No, he'd be lodging a second one into the chamber, and then it would just jam the gun out. Like, you wouldn't physically be able to a second time if I was just to get really basic about it. Oh, okay. All right. Take away the fun. <laughs> yeah, it was jammed up as fuck, Todd. Ridiculous. <laughs> That's why he never shot anybody. Yeah. No, he, right. did, he did actually end up killing the evil goth guy. He did kill him. Finally. After letting yeah. him, like, yeah, yeah, spray yeah. him three or four times. Well, because he had to cock it one more time, <laughs> which is what uh, the the evil goth kid heard it, turned around, and started spraying everywhere. Maybe it was really just a super soaker, and it took a lot of pumps. You know, you had to really build that pressure up. <laughs> well, I mean, there were there was at least one super soaker in this movie. There what was, was that about, dude? That was I wrote down <laughs> fucking plot twist. Holy shit! But that was near the end. Yes, yeah. it was. Uh, I guess we'll wait. We're we're kind of we're a little bit all over the place, but. Um, this movie is kind of all over the place too. Can we talk about the, can we talk about the knife to the balls? That, that, Dude. that yeah, okay. fucked with me so in a real when, way. Let, yeah. <laughs> when we, to do that, let's, let's talk about the, how much time this movie spent on high school romantic pairings and stuff. Like who's got a crush on who, right? Um, who's in love with who, um, and that leads to that scene there where this one kid shows up to this girl, I guess he, he really likes and is like you know, trying to put the moves on her. He suggests that, like, since they're all going to die, you know, they shouldn't die virgins. And uh, uh, and then I think he, he threatens to, to just sort of rape her. Yeah, well, he's the guy that stole the crossbow. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's like either right. either you do this or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot you. Make up your mind, right? Yeah. And then he shoots and misses. But grazes her cheek. And now, yeah. Right, it grazes her cheek. Yeah. And that, you know, he he dared damage her, her beautiful face. And so she pulls out her weapon, which is a knife. And, uh, well, you want to talk about this, Warren? So yeah, yeah. She she stabbed him in the junk. I uh, I wrote down quite times. eloquently. I wrote down quite eloquently. Chick stabs a dude twice in the dick taint. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? He kind of deserved it. He's like, yo, I'm going to I'm going to do this whether you like it or not. And she's like, yeah. Uh, you know what? I was all for that. 
that was like the little bit of violence in the movie that I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your support, you support the dictate stabbing of yeah. of anyone who wants to be a rapist. Yeah, if you get rapey. <laughs> <laughs> well, she was going to let him go. She's like, look, like, I don't want to kill you. Like, just carry on. He just wouldn't let it go. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And then she ends up dying in the arms of the guy that she loves. And then she finds out at right. the end that he doesn't love her. And that he loves some other girl that eventually kills him. And I wrote down, like, Romeo and Juliet with a twist. Juliet kills Romeo. Oh, can we talk about that scene? Because a lot fucking happened in that scene. I just Which kept scene ra- is that? That was the scene when... Okay, so the, the girl that did the stabbing in the taint. Yeah. <laughs> the guy that she loved that didn't love her. Yeah. He was the one that had the GPS tracker. And he was trying okay, to find right. the girl that he loved. And he right. found her... She did. She, shot, she him. shot him and killed him, and then Juliet dies because Crazy Girl. We haven't even talked about Crazy Girl yet, right? She, how fucked up was she? Like, was she nuts before this, or did she just like I loved you know? It. Yeah, I remember like when like the yeah no I I dug Crazy Girl too. Like when she held the the flashlight up to but. her face and did the whole like shaded face creepy smile thing to that first girl she killed. That's creepy as fuck. Oh yeah, that was fun. That's creepy. I just like I just like the idea that you're in the middle of this battle royale and you're you're crimping your eyelashes first thing in the morning. Still. Right. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, exactly. She's getting her hair did and shit. Well, that's like the um the the dictate girl too, though, that she was out for her morning jog that morning. She was, but I think that morning jog was more about trying to create routine, like trying to not for a few minutes, do something that feels normal. Yeah. Totally well, and why is it? Why can't setting. you do that by crimping your lashes? Exactly. Same thing. It's about just yeah. trying to like uh, center yourself in something that you can control because you have to go out there and do things you'd rather not do. I don't know. Crazy right, girl totally. liked it. I think. But then again, there was another interaction there with crazy girl and and I can't remember. I don't know how to define this other girl, but you know, it was like the other girl was accusing crazy girl of stealing her boyfriend. And so they had to have a fight about that, right? Like, and then and then the 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 four or five girls who were like trying to take care for of the main character guy. The one girl wants to poison him, um, which I, I don't remember exactly why well, she wanted to poison because him. near the beginning he this one kid tries to kill him the kid with the hatchet. And they tumble right. down this hill. Remember all the tumbling in this mm-hmm, movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah. during the tumble. <laughs> <laughs> the kid gets hatchet the guy, hatchet guy the gets hatchet the hatchet in the head. in the head, and she witnessed the whole thing. We didn't know that at the time. Yeah. We found out later she witnessed the whole thing. Right, right, right. And I'm right. assuming she liked that guy because she was real pissed about that. Exactly. So, yeah. So then, yeah, um, she decides to kill main character with her poison. But then somebody else eats the poison. Everyone freaks out about like who did the poisoning. Oh, and then. Okay. And then people are like, you know, it's it. They're blaming the one girl who liked the boy because, like, you're trying to kill all of us so that you can run off with him. And <laughs> like, so many of the people dying in this movie, it like beyond the fact that they were told to kill each other, I would say at least sixty percent of the deaths occurred because of some kind of romantic issue. <laughs> Just like yeah. real life. Just <laughs> Just like real life. Um, yeah. Do you guys play Among Us? Haven't uh, well, yet. I do. Yeah. Okay, so I, I I I made a note here, like pointing fingers, like a game of Among Us. Everyone yeah. was like, "It's you! No, you're sus! No, you're sus!" And then, of course, the and then the, of course the that scene wins. too. 
yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. In that scene, too. Yeah, exactly. The one who was trying to poison was the one who survived, and then she's overwhelmed by guilt, so she jumps off the top of the lighthouse or whatever they're in. Yeah. Um, so while we're talking about all the romantic relationships, I'm going to share what I think would be sort of the ideal way to remake this movie or um, have another sort of alternate take on it. Okay. And it would be to do it as a, as a TV series. And you would do it um, like for 10 episodes. It's just a, a normal high school set drama. Um, like say you're watching Riverdale. Mm-hmm. Really establish those relationships. Really establish those relationships. Um, and then you have a two-hour finale <laughs> where this classroom <laughs> gets kidnapped and sent to an island where they have to kill each other. Shut and up think- and take my money. <laughs> <laughs> and you wouldn't... Uh, the, the best way, the best thing about it is it would be marketed so you would just think this was a normal teen drama <laughs> until you got to that finale. It's like, oh, Mom, Mom, can yeah. I watch Battle Royale? Well, yeah, sure. It seems like a good show, but why is it rated M? Uh, but like how how more interesting would those those dramatic interrelationships be if you had that backstory there dude um, ep- episodic on- release netflix like let's do this that'll th- yeah. throw it'll twist everybody up the moment that first battle royale episode drops the internet would go crazy <laughs> Wait, what everyone's got ndas no one knows it's coming exactly exactly i think that'd be so good um I had a little point here. I, I liked, yeah. I did like when it would just give you a little bit of deposition in the form of words on the screen. I kind of like that, like the old no dialogue movies, the black and white movies. It would just cut to this screen of of writing, and it would be this mm-hmm. like kind of like inner thoughts of who knows who. I actually enjoyed that. I felt like it kind of peppered in a little bit of a little bit of emotion. I liked it. And I did like too the way that every time you know someone or a group died, it would it would continue the countdown at the top, saying which characters had died and how many were left now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that added to the feeling that it was a game that was being played, and you could sort of see the score being updated as it um, as it progressed. When the first couple of students are are killed in the classroom before the game's even really begun and then mm-hmm. tallies their names and their the fact that they're deceased whether or not they're a, a boy or a girl mm-hmm. that it set a tone really well yeah, yeah it totally really did it was like okay hey, this is the game and at some point we're going to be like there's only one person left and i i definitely dug that a lot and then they also had three times a day the guy would do updates over like a radio network and just say who'd passed away just like Hunger Games. Yeah. Yeah. And then he would say yep. the danger zones, just like Hunger Games and that, uh, yep. whichever one that was, the second one, I think. Yeah. So that's a way that it does um, delineate from the Battle Royale genre. And the Battle Royale genre, it's always an outside circle that's uh, that's that's getting smaller. And as the circle gets smaller, it you are hurt by being outside of this circle, so it draws the last players together. In Fortnite, it starts mm-hmm. with 100 players, and then you, uh, you know, last man standing, of course. And so that circle yeah. gets smaller as the amount of players lessens at a fairly similar ratio to kind of keep everyone grouped together and having to fight. See, now I'm wondering if that was, maybe they, they thought about doing it the same kind of way where you just had free range of this area of, forever until there was one person left but they just through the testing found that it was way too difficult to run into each other at the end 
For well, sure. Well, yeah, as, <laughs> yeah. as you get fewer people, you have to keep reducing the, the, the size of the area you're in. Otherwise, it does go on forever. Um, should we talk about the ending? I think we've kind of gotten close to the ending I think already. so, yeah. I got a couple more things. So, one thing. This guy who announces these... So, this gentleman, this teacher, has announcements three times a day, letting everybody know what people have deceased. I know this is just something stupid and random, but uh, as a singer, like he has this microphone with the most butt plug shaped, like condenser on the end, like with the little mic cover. And it's, I, it was so distracting. Like if you're an evil villain and you're talking on a microphone, it shouldn't easily insert into a butthole. I just feel like (laughs) you lose any sense of intimidation. The moment I'm like, bro, like your microphone is whack. yo. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but do you not think that the possibility of him sticking it up your butt might la- add a layer of intimidation? Well, you know what? Maybe that's the whole point. He did really say he did say at one point in the film, "You really hurt my ass." So maybe, <laughs> right? maybe I hurt your ass. <laughs> it's all part of the meta, you know. But uh, yeah, I did find that microphone a little funny looking. And then I think my favorite bit of violence in the film is at one point uh, a kid gets decapitated, and then the the wonderful part is that. People are hiding inside a building, and there's a crash as something's thrown through the window of the building, and they look, and it's the severed head, and then inside mm. the severed head's mouth is a grenade. That yep. was that was a highlight bit of uh, horror action. Yeah, that horror. was that was good. There was a lot of build up to that one too, because like that was evil goth kid, and he evil got kid, the yeah. fucking paper fan. He had nothing <laughs> at the beginning. And he oh, remember is that right? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He got the paper fan, and he he let this this group of kids that they were like, "We're not going to kill anybody, and you're in on it, aren't you? And we're going to figure out what you're up to, and we're going to stop this." And uh, yeah, he just fucked them up. Yeah, one kid pulls a gun on him. He takes the gun and just kills everybody. Now he's got the submachine gun. He's got uh, a handgun. He had the grenades. Well, that's the, the grenades thing I was going to say actually ground. about that that he was like the most video game character in the film because he just keeps gaining new weapons from everyone he kills right right um yeah he got he got he got the the fucking bulletproof vest yeah he had the katana that's how he decapitated the kid um yeah and he got the grenades like right off the bat but he started with like fuck all he started with so yeah, yeah no he had nothing yeah so here's my battle royale game pitch as you pick up <laughs> weapons and better weapons they're physically on you and you like clank and clink around the level more you're like you slowly there you, you, go. S- you start out this really quiet dude and just like your army fatigues and a knife and then like next thing you're like three guns holstered and it's all they're all clanking around on your body <laughs> you're like oh kill the, kill you're that slow, guy you're that, slow that, down. that rocket launcher yeah you're slow it slows your speed of course that would be awesome uh, I think that's. I just described a bunch of stuff that makes games less fun. <laughs> yeah, dude, I love yeah. games but, like you know, that. I love games like I that. I love games that aren't fun at all. <laughs> let's, let's make more of those. <laughs> totally, those ones are the big sellers. <laughs> so yeah, by the time you get to the end, you've got the the three kids. They're ready to blow things up, except evil goth kid shows up and uh, shoots a bunch of them. Um, one kid manages to trigger the all of the explosives that they had loaded into the back of the truck, and I think that's what blinded evil goth kid. Yeah. Um, you have the sort of hero boy, the girl he likes, and 
Kawada, the, the, the exchange kit, Kawada, yeah. yeah. Actually, I've got their names in front of me here. It's it's Shugo, Noriko, and... No, it's Kawada, Noriko, and Shuya. This is the kind of um, audio that the internet needs right now. <laughs> right, yeah. As a, listening to me fumble through want. Japanese names, totally. <laughs> yeah, this is the audio the internet wants. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. What should I be doing? Do, do you want names? I really want, like, like Goth Kid or whatever. Him, I'm rooting for that guy. <laughs> Evil Goth guy. Evil Goth. So Evil we end up goth. we end up end up down to the last three, um, and we're we're meant to believe that Kawada, who's a kid who um, had been in it before, is has taken advantage of the other two. In order to now, win. now we're talking about plot holes and issues. This is my first gr- good one. So they discover at one point that their Fitbit necklaces are recording audio, and so the nerd kids that build bombs and are trying to overthrow the system are cupping their Fitbits in their hand when they speak, yep. so that they can't be heard. And then mm. these three people make it seem like two killed or one killed the other two. And mm-hmm. the whole organization's like, yep, game over. We're all done. But, like, they were monitoring their heart rates and, and like, <laughs> yeah. their pulses and what they spoke. So then they're like, yeah, we're all done. But there's still three heartbeats. And then they, like, can just listen to people walking through the jungle for, like, three hours being like, yeah, all right, well, I guess we're going to go overthrow them now. Like, Actually, I don't fully understand how that pieces together. Okay, so that wasn't a plot hole, but there was another Decent. plot hole. So... Uh, when when Kawada, because he's the one that, like Todd said, uh, we're made to believe that he um, uh, backstabbed, the backstabbed the other two, and he's the lone survivor, the winner of the Battle Royale. Uh, when he arrives and talks to the teacher, um, the teacher discovers that he's deactivated his, his necklace. Ooh. Remember? Mm-hmm. But, and he's like, but here's the other plot hole, that that plot, or that fix of that plot hole opens up and uh he goes it wasn't murimo or murimi or whatever the the nerd kid that did the hacking right it wasn't yeah. him that hacked him it was you and it's like well what did he hack in with yeah he didn't and have when? anything to hack when did we ever see him with hacking equipment he, we didn't right so that yeah. like so the that explains why they thought they were dead and uh, he deactivated um, all the things and all that but then it opened up another one where it's like all of a sudden this kid just had knowledge of these necklaces that. But I'll throw out there too that um, the the battle royale teacher guy, I, either he knew something was up, or he because the the guards were going to go out and and check to confirm those last two kills, and he was like, no 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 don't bother, mm, right? Um, and so he was in. And I think he knew. I think he knew what was up. I think I don't know if he was in cahoots. There was well, there was weird shit with him towards the end, like the bit where he goes out and and meets the 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 main character's chick and gives her an umbrella mm-hmm. um, for no reason. I mean, well, I he guess liked it's rating, her. He so liked that's a her. Reason, he was but. he was well. He was his I guess favorite in true, the class. But. He hated everybody else in the class, and he he liked that student. Hopefully can not we brief, in a creepy way. Can we brief? Did you say not in a creepy oh, way? So hopefully not in a creepy way. It seemed way. very like father-daughter-ish. Yeah. It didn't seem sexual at all. But like, can we just briefly talk about this bad teacher, this, this, uh, the kind of the, 
villain of the films swag. Yeah. Like, can we just talk about his swagger? <laughs> like, the dude had the most fucking dope tracksuit. He just rolls yeah. like, like just gray sweatpants and just owns it. Like, this dude is just like such swag, man. I just, yeah. Props to that guy and his ability to pull off that outfit. And he had that great, like, just plodding walk too, dude. <laughs> Dude, he'd had a stroke or something, like the actor. Like, uh, the right-hand side of oh, his really? face didn't really move the same as the left-hand uh, side yeah, of his yeah. face. That's interesting. You're right. Had a bit of a twitch, probably, too. Yeah, I'm thinking, like, ex-mob boss, went into <laughs> movies at a late age in life, total badass. I bet. I, I do feel like though. that's an actor that I've seen in other things. He, he's uh, got a, a face that I recognize, but I, I couldn't... So we are, we arrive at this end and we're just getting to the part where suddenly uh, the the big bad guy's gun is also just a water pistol and oh. and can someone right. ha- so, yeah, can someone so, help me with this? Hold please? on, I want to cut. Yeah. I want to cut in just I, before no. that. When when Kawada gets there and he sits down and the guy brings him a pop, all I could think of was, uh, "You want a fresca?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? I think about Fresca now because of that show. <laughs> the Boys on Amazon. Yeah. Okay, Shout sorry. out to The Boys. Not a sponsor. I had to point that out. I had, Want a Fresca? Here you go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, he comes in as the winner. Um, the, the teacher checks his collar, which doesn't work. Apparently he somehow figured out how to hack it without having any computer tools. <laughs> and the other and then, two, because all three of them can the just other pick two them come off. in, And they have guns on the teacher. Uh, and then the teacher kind of, that's where he admits to sort of liking the girl and reveals the painting that presumably he painted um, in advance. But at least Oren, you sort of assumed it was painted in advance. I just had a feeling that he was painting it as it went along. And, and Me he was too. painting the as each one died. Because again, he had like three days to work on that painting. No, I, I think I th- I think he painted that in advance. Well, we've got a, our first major disagreement on this episode then. Boom. I'm on Todd's side. At one point, one of the soldiers like kind of comes up and goes, like, how's it going? And he like grabs a couple of pieces of paper that we can only see the back of. Oh. And they're large pieces of like drawing right, yeah. paper. And he's like, okay. ah, give me that back. And I was like, it was like his doodles as he's like trying to catch everybody's essence as he draws them into his death. <laughs> right. Art. I'd forgotten about that, but that's a, that's a good so observation. I think he was drawing it as it happened. But then... The art's really poor, and it didn't necessarily depict... Did it depict exactly how everyone died? It seemed kind of no, random I, to me. There were like tons of people who had their heads chopped off by swords, and they did lot. not match what happened <laughs> yeah. in the movie. Like yeah. the vast yeah. majority of them. Right. Like, like they hired an artist... They hired an artist to help on the film, and they're like, "Yeah, people die." <laughs> and like, there's about uh, 26 of them, and like, he just drew that, and like, it's not. I really like swords, so that's what I'm doing. Yeah, and also he had a, the artist was. I didn't 14. read the script and just went mostly with swords. Hope you guys are okay with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like, I like, I like the commissioned artist like walking into the meeting and saying exactly that. Like, so I didn't read the script. I'm in a sword phase right now. Uh, hope this works. Yeah. Um. And then um, they've got their guns on him. He's basically saying, and actually, you know what? I want to point out too that throughout this film, there's been, well, I guess he had only had the one conversation with his daughter saying that he wasn't going to be home. This is the teacher we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, he was out on, um, something was up with his wife, I think. He was out um, on a business trip and wouldn't be able to be home until the next day. And uh, and that the, the fact that he's got this kind of, 
And the daughter is very negative, you could sense, when she's hanging up the phone on him or mm-hmm. ending well, the call. How about the insult that she threw his way? The shade she threw at him mid-call, she said, hey, quit breathing into the phone. I can smell your breath from smell here. Smell your breath, <laughs> yeah. Right. That's, yeah. I was like, dang, I gotta like lock that one in for later. <laughs> keep, keep that one. And maybe that's, you know, because that, that is something that came up in the opening titles that, you know, these ki- kids these days, kids these days, <laughs> right. are not respecting their elders. And... And maybe maybe that's what he liked about that one girl in the class is that she seemed respectful. Maybe that was the daughter he never had. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm, I dig that. Um, I dig that take, Todd. And so they're they're standing off there with the teacher. He's got uh I don't know if he has his gun out at this point. Yeah, he's pulled it out to yeah. say, like, if you don't shoot me, I'm gonna shoot you. I'm gonna shoot you. Yeah. Uh and then he pulls the trigger and well, it's a fucking water gun. He pulls the trigger as he's getting shot. Well, either way, right? Yeah. Okay. So they shoot him finally. I thought like he pulled the trigger in order to inspire them to shoot because I don't think they shot first. Yeah, they shot first. Did they? Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, he's got a water gun, spraying water everywhere. But like, not even a normal water gun. It was like like a, like he turned on a hose coming out of the end of his gun. <laughs> it was like yeah, and like it, and you get what like two and a half seconds of that shot or less. I'm like, what is yeah. going on here? Like, where did this yeah. come from? And. And then, not long after that moment, he sits on the couch, pulls. Okay, out- well, let's talk about okay. let's talk about that though, because he drops dead, <laughs> right? He's full right. of bullets, okay. right? Yes. And then his phone rings, <laughs> and he gets up, <laughs> and he gets up, and I was like, "What the fuck is happening now? Did they have fake guns all this time? That doesn't make sense." He gets up, he walks to the couch, sits down, answers the phone. It's his daughter again. And he basically says, like, I'm not coming home. You suck. I hate you. <laughs> and then he hangs up and dies. Well, he hangs up. Then he pulls out a real gun, shoots the phone. And so, then, like, oh, in my opinion. That bit. Oh, that's and, right. That is right. Yeah. He so pulls he out the same gun, gun man. <laughs> in my opinion, he just gun? grabs the same gun. Now it makes bullets again. <laughs> <laughs> there was some real continuity issues in that scene for me. I'm just saying. Like, I need to talk totally. to the director understand his perspective <laughs> though i will say that moment when he got up that that blew my mind that is maybe my favorite moment <laughs> in the film it was just another moment that really reinforced the fact that there were never any bullet holes in people's clothing there was very little <laughs> like they didn't have a makeup guy they were just like nah we'll just put red on people's clothing makeup guy phoned in sick we can't do wounds yeah just tomato juice our artist painted swords everywhere. Everything's falling apart. <laughs> no, I will say, like, as I'm kind of besmirching the film, I I really enjoyed it. You know, yeah, like, I'm too. not much for like having to read while I watch films, man. Gosh right. darn it! But I uh, I really enjoyed it, and I'm glad I watched it. And it really uh, it it showed such influence into this genre of video games that I spend a, a good chunk of my life playing. And I thought that was really mm-hmm. cool. I really was appreciative of being invited into this process. Just also just for the film I got to watch. I quite enjoyed it. Yeah. And I do recommend cool. battle Royale. Yeah, I do too. Um, uh, one of the things I wanted to speaking of recommending it um, and, and thinking about who maybe should be watching it when it was released in Japan, um, it was given a rating where, Anyone 15 or younger couldn't see the film. And that kind of angered the director because many of the cast members in the film were actually 
15 years old. Right. So this whole idea that these people who had worked on this film wouldn't even be able to go and see it. Right. Um, and I guess he went on, did interviews where he was suggesting that, you know, kids should just sneak into it. <laughs> uh, I read which, that. You know, That's cool, eh? Yeah. Um, so yeah, after they've killed the, the teacher, they find uh, a boat. The three of them are on this boat headed back to shore. Um, there's one thing we haven't talked about yet, which is um, Kawada's backstory. From when he was in the Battle Royale before, he met up with a girl and he was trying to protect her because this is obviously something that happens in every Battle Royale multiple times. Um, I, got, I, didn't, I didn't get a sense of what happened, who shot who or what shot when, because they ended up being the last two in their previous Battle Royale. And they think they were planning on just dying together. But then what happened there? Like, did she shoot herself? Mm. I guess when I watched it, I just assumed there was a third person. But Maybe there was. No, it was just the two of them. And there was a lot of time spent discussing the fact that she passed away with a smile on her face. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I was getting to is the bit about the smile and how she smiled. She said, thank you. Um, and then she died and he didn't know what that meant. Um, her smile, especially the fact that you would pass her away smile, especially. Smile. Yes. Uh, and that's sort of what haunted him and why he went, came back to do it again was he was, he was going to try to find out what that smile meant. Um, and so as they're on the boat and Kawada is now dying, he has this exchange with the last two people basically saying, you know, I finally solved the riddle of her smile uh, and her parting words. Thank you. Um, and then, and then they're they're asking like, and then, and then what? And then he dies, but sort of, I guess, in we're hearing his internal monologue. Um, what he says is, and then I'm glad I found true friends. And holy shit, I laughed so hard when I saw that because. <laughs> It's it's like maybe maybe the real battle royale was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well putting it that way is pretty funny. <laughs> like, I did that's I, honestly all I could think of when I heard that. Like really really the, the, the takeaway from this is like you made a friend while murdering 40, 40 other people like I don't know. Yeah. It seems so I weird. did make a note that I I thought Kawada's death was pointless at the end there. I didn't he see needed any to pass to for the that. insight. He needed to pass for the insight that when he passes with a smile on his face, he goes through the emotions that his girlfriend or went through in the moments before her death. And so then he has the he finally mm-hmm. gains the insight into what went down in that moment and why she died with a smile on her oh, face. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah. I can dig. <laughs> and then the other two uh, end up in Japan. They're on the run from the law because they're accused of murdering him and maybe somebody else. They're, I think they're only accused of killing two people, even though there's an island. Yeah. Of, How does that work? Um, for some reason, she goes back to her home to get the knife that stabbed the teacher at the beginning. Right. It all comes which, back to the butt stab. And I don't, I don't know why they bothered with that. Like, what is the... Yeah, because you really hurt my ass. It, 
<laughs> it does all come back to that butt stab, man. That was that was we didn't know it at the time, but that was the climax of the movie. It was just a real slow burn after that. Yeah. Yeah. That was as so they, that was Battle uh, Royale. As they leave that <laughs> island and they stare back at it, I'm reminded that they describe the island as ten kilometers. So I'm thinking ten square kilometers, so like three by three, which uh which is larger than a battle royale. That is larger than the average Boyhood Battle Royale map. <laughs> okay. How big is the map um, in Fortnite? The square, ma- square meters is closer to two kilometers, according to this. Yeah, I went online okay. looking for okay. it. So some nerd has figured it out based on how many <laughs> grids. I do like that There's it's a grid, and like there's a 10 by 10 grid in Fortnite as well. And then some nerd figured it out to 1.8 yep. kilometers. Yeah. So I guess the, the, between the size of the island and the increased number of players, that explains why an average Fortnite round is about 15 to 20 minutes True. in three days. Plus, I mean, there's a slightly <laughs> less teenage angst in Fortnite. Really? Is there, though? That's true. <laughs> well, probably not. When you when you look at the actual there's more players, <laughs> there's probably lots of... Lots of teenage angst. There's a lot more people who have a crush on your mom. Keep my mom out of this. <laughs> no, you yeah, know, that's please. that's the whole thing. Like, Fortnite, kids on Fortnite, like... What? I fucked is your that mom. It? That's, See, that's the, the thing, The right? ir- ironic thing is, is that their moms are divorced and in my age range, and I do fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> well, the nice thing about Fortnite is you, you don't actually talk to the rest of the players. Oh, you talk thank to people in your own party, so you don't have to listen to that <laughs> bullshit of, like, when you're like when you're playing Halo and you got to listen to the 12-year-old douchebag who just murdered we, me 10 times. We have, um, <laughs> I have a friend, uh, I have a good buddy with a 10-year-old son, and his 10-year-old son plays with us, though, and so we do sometimes uh, put, play with a 10-year-old and deal with the perspective. Although he's he's pretty he's well-mannered. He's a great he's not, dude. Like, he still does 10-year-old things, yeah. like, ha-ha, I got to the gun first, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. you little fucking 10-year-old shit. Yeah, there'll be instances where Dave and I are heavy in combat and getting shot up, and he's like, I'll be there in a sec, I'm still looking for a <laughs> yeah, gun. he's shopping. He's shopping, <laughs> hey, we're dying. Take your time, dude. Yeah, but uh, no, he's a wicked dude, for sure, but that's our one little bit of adolescent interaction in Fortnite. Yeah, exactly. Um, any final thoughts? The movie, on uh, thumbs up. Give yeah, it a the thumbs movie. up. Yeah. Uh, I can definitely see why Tarantino likes it for sure. Oh yeah, it's got his, his OG Hunger Games, man, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Or in final thoughts? Yeah, uh, I enjoyed it. It was dark. It was depressing at times. Um, but I like particularly when people are getting crotch taint stabbed. Actually, that, like I said, I like that part. <laughs> no, I like. <laughs> I thought I thought that part fucked you up. Well, it fucked me up in a good way. <laughs> okay, but all right. but I mean, like, I guess I kind of did fall for the for the relationship part of it a little bit. I, I kind of started feeling for people, and especially like the Romeo and Juliet thing when, yeah, I don't know. It, it was everyone's lover was dying. Everybody and was them alive getting killed and... by their lovers, and it was just a fuck show. But uh, yeah, no, I liked it a lot. Yeah, me too. Um, thumbs up. I would give it four murderous <laughs> nine-year-old nine. No, not nine-year-olds. Four murderous ninth-grade <laughs> students out of five, probably. Um, 
Second second time I've watched it. I, I watched it a couple of well, many years ago now, and I think I was half cut at the time that I watched it. So, um, so no different this time. This time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I watched it sober. I watched it sober. I find I can't watch movies when I'm when I'm drunk because it's like I forget. Thank so you so much, much guys, for um, for inviting me into your world. I listen to your podcast and I I love it. And uh, I oh, and I have a kitten next to me meowing. And I just I'm so appreciative to to be invited into this whole thing. It's really cool. I'm glad your podcast exists. And I would just urge everyone who hasn't done so to check out Mysteries and Madness, a very cool podcast between Todd Sullivan and I. Give it a try. Give it three episodes and then never listen again if that's that's how you feel about it. But give it three. Just <laughs> where uh, where can they find that episodes. podcast? It is on every podcast service available, so it doesn't matter what you use. And if you don't have a podcast app, I like CastBox, but it's um, Android only. But it's everywhere. If you have a place where you get podcasts, you can find Mysteries and Madness there and listen to Todd and I play some roles and have some fun. It's a good time. Um, thanks for joining us, Dave. Uh, one of the things I've wanted to do since I started this podcast was have guests every once in a while uh, shake things up by bringing in a new voice and a new perspective. I wasn't sure how it was going to go. Um, it can get a bit more chaotic, I think, with a, a third person involved. But I feel like this worked out really, really well. And I've enjoyed the conversation with uh, with you and with, with Oren as well. Oren's always fun to have around, right? Sometimes. I like sometimes. I like Orin sometimes. a lot. We know each other from the music world. I think you have yeah. lyrics. I think some lyrics that maybe I wrote that are in a song of yours, and that's just such a uh, uh, privilege. You know, like that's just uh, such an honor. And uh, I, I really like Orin a lot. He's a great dude. So this is it's just so cool to get to be a part of something that I listen to. Right on, man. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks again, uh, Dave. Um, I uh, I am Todd Sullivan. I'm Warren Barter, and I'm your one time I'm your one time guest. Dave. <laughs> oh come on, you're coming back, right? I'm your hopefully repetitious yeah. <laughs> guest, Dave Coleman. Thanks for listening to you. When bad things happen to good people, go read a fucking book or watch a fucking movie. Go play a fucking video game.